And, you know, the purpose of all of creation and all that we have is to have our, have our own personal relationship with God. And, um, and the quality of your life is based upon um, your relationships. And so your relationship with God and then your relationship with each other. And, you know, we've been looking at how the heart is uh, really important when it comes to relationship. When, I, when, I, when we have a soft heart towards God and we have a soft heart towards each other, uh, we're, we're in a place of connection and we're in a place of relationship. How many know that there's a difference between going through the motions of your Christianity and then having a genuine place of connection? How many know there's a difference between going through the motions of being in your marriage and having a genuine place of connection? How many know there's a difference between going through the motions of, of uh, being a father and a mother with your children and having a place of connection? You know, I'm always trying to make sure that I have a place of connection with my wife. I always try to make sure I have a, con- a place of connection with my kids, like a real place of connection. Because how many know without that, how many know you can get lonely in a room full of people? And um, we need connection. We need to be known, and we need to know to, to, to know people as well. You know, and and you want to have life-giving friendships. Um, we want that place of connection because without that. Life can get lonely, and, and you know, how I many know we live in a world where things are geared towards people not being connected? You know, we got, you know, got our phones and got uh, social media and, you know, got entertainment and all of these things, and, you know, we, ha- we live in a day and age where it's easier to be alone and not deal with people than it's ever been before, but, um, but we are called to relationship. You know, we're called to relationship with God. We're called to relationship with each other. And real and genuine relationships are going to, they're going to bring strength to your heart. They're going to bring strength to your life. And then how many know the enemy tries to attack those relationships? Tries to bring in hurt, tries to bring in offense, tries to bring in hardness of heart. I mean, the enemy, even in the beginning, the initial attack against mankind was cutting them off from relationship with God. I mean, you know, they were still created in the image of God. They were still the children of God but they were not actively enjoying a place of relationship because condemnation and shame had come in. And so what we do is we want to take a stand for relationship with God. Now, what the beauty of what the new covenant does for you is it shows you that any time, for the born-again person, any time there's a disconnect in relationship between you and God, how many of you know it's never on God's end? That's really important to understand. God never turns his back on you. Uh, God never leaves you. God never forsakes you. How many know the cross was a success? Amen. Your sin has been paid in full, and the, the, the throne is open. The throne of grace is open to obtain help in time of need. And so God is never, he's never going to turn his back on you. He's never going to disconnect you from you. But how many know we have the ability to think that he's disconnected from us? We have the ability to entertain uh, condemnation, condemnation from our hearts, and think that God's against us, or think that God's mad at us, and all these types of things. And um, and when there's a disconnect there, I mean, you know, that life-giving portion of our relationship with God is not there. Um, I, I I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to uh, just you know because you can go. I mean, you can go through the motions of things and your heart not be in it. And and but the life-giving place is when is when is in that place of your heart. And so. You know, there's a place where you're fighting 
uh, for maintaining that place of relationship. And you're never fighting with God, but how many know you are fighting against distractions? Like, we've had tons of distractions this morning. How many know you're, praise God, how many know you're fighting against offense? Fighting against all these types of influence. How many know when Abraham cut a covenant with God that Abraham had to chase uh, the, the birds or the crows away from that sacrifice? He was protecting that covenant, right? And so it's important to understand that because I'm, I don't know about you. I don't want religion, man. I don't want to go through the motions. I want a genuine heart-to-heart relationship with God. That's the most important thing in my life. I don't have anything in my life more important than that. I've lived my life based on that. I've left churches based upon that. I've left seasons of my life because I'm, I want Jesus Christ. And I'll do whatever it takes to have it because there's nothing that's worth more than he is, than he is, in, in relationship with him. I mean, you know, Paul had to leave Judaism to walk with the Lord. And he had to, you know, he had to count things but dung, things that he trusted in, things that, were, you know, that would have brought honor to his life and esteem to his name. He said, I count all those things but dung that I may win Christ. And he's not talking about his salvation experience. How I many of you know salvation is a gift? Anybody can get saved. You just receive a gift. But what he's talking about is that place of genuine relationship with the Lord. Amen? And so there is an attention. There is a focus for that. And it's worth whatever you've got to do to have it. Because I don't know about you guys. This life is, the things that are in this world have not impressed me. You know what I'm saying? I've had all that this world has to offer, and none of it has brought satisfaction to me. The only thing that's really ever satisfied me, made me happy, and brought purpose to my life is Jesus, and specifically relationship with Jesus. So um, it's worth whatever you have to do in order to pursue that. And you are those people. You know, you made a decision uh, to come to, to the house of God today. You made a decision to gather today. It wasn't easy. I know it wasn't easy, you know. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, warfare and stuff in the atmosphere today. That's just a part of it. That's the part. I mean, you don't walk by sight or by the way you feel. Can I get an amen? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to push, you got to push through those things. And that's a part of it. And so you've made a decision to pursue this relationship, and it's wonderful and it's healthy, you know. And, um, you know, and, and I want to just lay this out quickly. We'll give just a little bit of um, uh, foundation here to help us. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, it's going to talk about our covenant. Uh, this covenant is set up for personal relationship. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. I mean, you know, there's nobody in this room that has more of a right to know Jesus than somebody else. I mean, you know, we don't live in a day and age where the pastor gets, has more of a right to know Jesus than somebody else. Can I get an amen? We live in a new covenant, and how I many you know the reason that we ha- are having church today is because we brought God in here with us when we came. All shall know me. All shall know me. From the least to the greatest. That's different than the old covenant. Under the old covenant, the prophet, the priest, and the king had different access than the common people. I mean, on the day and age we live in, there are no common people. There are uncommon people. Amen? And uh, we've been set apart, and now we are the Holy of Holies. The Spirit of God abides within us. And so this new covenant is set up for you to have your own personal relationship with God. All shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. 
And then all of it hangs upon this final clause of the new covenant, which is one of the primary difference between the old and the new, because I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, their sins, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. What does that mean? That means that the cross was a success. All your sin has been paid in full. And so when you are, are, are standing before God, when you are coming into relationship with God, how I many know oh, God has cleansed you so well that He has placed His Holy Spirit on the inside of you? God has done such a good job at removing your sin away from you that He's placed His Holy Spirit on the inside of you. I mean, it was not like that in the Old Covenant. The Holy of Holies, there was a separation between God and man. But as soon as Jesus died on that cross, how I many of you know that the, the veil was torn from top to bottom because now full access had been given because sin had been taken care of. And so this relationship with God that you have, you shouldn't be staring at yourself trying to determine whether you're worthy. Your question should be, was the blood enough? Was Jesus worthy? Did he do a good job? You're, you are not the one that's inspected. The lamb is. And so what that means is, is when we begin to honor the blood and recognize that, it, that the cross was a success, our sin has been taken care of, and our sins and lawless deeds he will remember no more. I mean, all that changes all manner of access of relationship. You know what that means? That means you're always welcome. Amen. And that means that when you make a mistake, you don't run from God, you run to God. Can I get an amen? You know, and, and what it does is it develops a mentality in your mind of a son and a daughter that has access to God as a father. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and when this earth passes... The same righteousness that's given you access will be the same righteousness you enjoy that gives you access to the Father based upon the finished work of the cross. Can I get an amen? And so that means you can hear the voice of God, you can walk with God, and you can stay in relationship with God. So when you fail, it does not change God's heart towards you. I'm going to say that. When you fail, it does not change God's heart towards you. When you fail, it does not change God's heart towards you. I mean, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So what does that mean? When you make a mistake, God doesn't turn away from you. God gets down into the pit where you're at and gives you a hand and pulls you out of the pit. Because that's how that cut, because the cross was a success. However, and it's important to say this too, I mean, if you do dumb stuff, you're going to get dumb results. I mean, sin will kill you. And it'll, it'll kill marriage, it'll kill... Um, a ministry, it'll kill finances, it'll kill the health of your body. Sin is death. Okay, so we don't encourage sin, but what we do say is that the cross has taken away your sin in the eyes of God. And when you stand on the you stand before the judgment seat on, on judgment day, your sin's not going to be imputed to you because your sin was imputed to Jesus Christ. Period. And it was a success. And so what that does is it opens this place of relationship when you're having a relationship with God, He's not staring at your shortcomings. See, I mean, you know, if you're focused on your shortcomings, your relationship with God will be more about you staring at you than you staring at Him. And how I many you know it's difficult to have a relationship with someone if they're just staring at themselves all the time? Legal, a legalistic mindset, a misunderstanding of the new covenant will keep you sin conscious. And when you come to God, God wants to wrap his arms around you, but you're too busy staring at yourself and other people trying to determine if you're worthy 
Or are you more worthy than somebody else? And then you're living in this state of comparison rather than enjoying being a child of God. Can you get an amen? I never want one of my kids to think that I love one of them more than the other. That's never going to happen in my life. I don't, I, that, that is not going to happen because I don't have that kind of love. I have a love that's equal. And uh, because I love them because of who I am and because of who they are, not because of what they do. Can I get an amen? So you don't have to stare at yourself, and you also don't have to stare at other people to determine if you're better than other people to determine what you deserve in respect to relationship with God. Can I get an amen? We didn't come here to look at us, right? We came here to look at Jesus. And here's the thing, man, under this new covenant, you look at him and you find yourself in him and your heart is open to relationship and now you enjoy the Lord. And out of enjoying the Lord, you experience the love of God. And then as that love that comes to you starts to come out of you back to the Lord and come out of you to people around you, you know what happens? Sin loses its control over your life. Because sin is selfishness. Sin is self-focused. It's fear-based. And so we, we preach this new covenant, not so you can go out and be an idiot. We preach this new covenant so you can have a relationship with God and walk free from sin, love God and love people. I mean, all that comes back to relationship. Everybody say relationship. This whole thing is based on relationship. But if you don't understand the, new, if you don't understand this, the access and what the new covenant is give, given to you, You'll spend your days sin conscious, and you'll spend your days not real sure about how God feels about you. And if you don't know how God feels about I mean, no one in this room likes to be around somebody that's mad at them. And if you think God's mad at you, condemning you, ready to punish you, I mean, you know, like Adam and Eve, you're not going to run to him when he's walking in the cool of the day. You're going to run from him. Or you're going to go find some dead work to try to cover yourself up to prove your worth. I mean, you know, we don't need fig leaves no more. Can I get an amen? You don't got to cover yourself up with any work because God loves you because you're His, right? And so this new covenant is based upon the forgiveness of sin. Your eyes should not be staring at yourself. Your eyes should be staring at Jesus, right? Now, Proverbs chapter 4, and, you know, we just, you know, we've looked at this here recently, and, uh, how I many you know we don't guard our right standing with God? We don't guard our righteousness. We lay it to you like this. How I many of you know the thief in the cross, how did, he, how did he become right with God? He believed. How I many of you know the thief on the cross who didn't do one good work, how I many he was just as right with God as Peter, John, and Paul once the resurrection had passed, right? And so... You don't guard your own righteousness. How many of you know your righteousness guards you? That's why righteousness is referred to as a breastplate. Because your righteousness is not an action. Your righteousness is a person. And now you are in Christ, and Christ is in you, and now you are right with God based upon faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? So you don't guard your righteousness. Your righteousness guards you. But you do guard your heart. Because your heart can be affected and impacted by the different influences. And how many know if your heart is hard towards God or towards people, you're not going to have this life-giving relationship that I'm talking about. And, and we've been looking at some different things that have the ability um, to, to cause uh, someone's heart to be hard. We looked at sin. How many of you know sin 
has the ability to harden your heart. Sin does not have the ability to rob you of your nature or rob you of your salvation because sin is no longer imputed to you under grace. But sin does have the ability to cause your heart to grow hard. And, 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 when, and when, we're, when we're embracing sin and when we're, we're active in making these types of mistakes, it doesn't change God's heart towards us, but it can change our heart towards God. You ever had a period of your life where you just lost interest in spiritual things? You know, and, you, and you're doing all the stuff you're supposed to be doing, but really you're more excited about football or you're more excited about chicken, you know what I'm saying, or, or whatever, you know. And, and we've all had those moments in our lives when we were more excited about other things than we were about the Lord, if we're honest with ourselves. But what you have to realize is when that happens, there is a, a hardness of heart that's there. Now listen, you haven't lost God. You haven't lost your destiny. You haven't lost your, you haven't, you've not lost anything. But how many know your frequency can be a little bit off? And then when your frequency is off, you're not enjoying communion and relationship. You know, and, and I'll bring this down to just my marriage because my wife and I, like, we, we set aside, we, met, we, set, we try to have a date at least once a week because we need to reconnect. Because how many know we spend a lot of time as mom and dad? We spend a lot of time as managing the house. We spend a lot of time as doing all the stuff. But how many know at the end of the day, this whole family is built upon our marriage and our relationship? And so we need to reconnect. And how do you reconnect? We, we spend time with each other. How do you reconnect with the Lord? You spend time with the Lord, amen? And you turn your heart, you turn your heart toward it. We're going to look at that here in a minute. We're going to look at more of the answers. But we want that heart to heart, and we do have to guard, uh, we have to guard our hearts. That's what Proverbs chapter uh, 4 declares. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I want a heart, you want a heart, that's soft towards God and soft towards people. Because how many know God has called you to love Him? The way He loves you, you got to receive His love first. You love Him with the love that He gives you first. But then how many know God's also called you to love people? And He's called you to, to treat people the way you want to be treated, which is a big deal. But how many know that's all relationship, right? We're we looking at having relationship. And in order to do that, it take, there, there's a softness of heart that has to be there. And then the next thing we looked, we looked at this extensively last week. One of the things that can really give someone a hardness of heart is offense. I mean, offense is dangerous. I think it's more dangerous than sin, honestly. Um, I mean, sin is very dangerous, but offense is um, it's sneaky. It's sneakier than sin. I mean, you can, you can look at sin, okay, that's sin. But then how I many know sometimes you can be offended and not even realize you're offended? You know, and I shared last week how I had an area in my life where I was offended at my wife. And I didn't even realize I was. And then we had this deep conversation, and, and then I, then I kind of like located where I was at emotionally. And I was like, you know what? I've been offended at you over this. And you know what I did? And, 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 I, and I just told her, what am I doing? I'm healing my heart. Why? Because I want to turn towards her. I don't want to be mad at her. Because at the end of the day, I'm, you know, and, and you know, and, and not like she did some horrible thing because she didn't. But, I mean, it doesn't take a horrible thing to get offended. <laughs> it takes the stupidest little thing in the world that you can get, oh, yeah? You know, and I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and, so, and so what I did was I turned my heart towards her, and I just talked to her, and I said, look, and this is, this is growth in my life, 
you know, because, um, you know, I grew up in a household where there's a lot of emotional abuse. I didn't know how to have relationships. There was narcissistic tendencies, all this bunch of crap, right? How many of you know God heals us? Can I get an amen? The pain doesn't win. God wins, right? And so I just said, look, I'm going to tell you how I feel. I don't want you to try to fix it, and I don't want you to try to fix it, and I don't want you to try to fix it. I just want you to listen to me. And all the ladies said, amen. <laughs> amen. Because how many of us men, we want to fix stuff? But how many of you know, not always time to fix stuff? Sometimes it's just time to listen. And as a man, I'm also learning how to access my heart and not just do the stuff and live the life and not live out of my heart. And I'm going to tell you, as a man, that ain't easy. I think women are a lot more attuned to what's going on in their hearts than men are. But at the same time, I can learn how to do it because I want a soft heart towards my wife, towards my kids, and towards God because I want to live out of my heart. I want them to have access to me. I mean, you can be very distant in a room with people, and you cannot be emotionally accessible. And so there you are. You're not giving to anyone, and no one's giving to you. You're just sitting there watching TV, eating food, sleeping, nothing. I don't want to live life without connection, man. And I don't. And, and, and you know what? In the world we live in, everybody's disconnected. Everybody's attached to their daggone phones, man. And they're attached to social media and they're attached to these things. And I'm not up here like trying to act like I'm all awesome and I don't struggle with stuff like that because I do. I have, I have a challenge with it as well. And, but we need to disconnect from this world and connect to God and connect to each other on a heart level. If we're going to win. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to conquer, and we're going to let the kingdom advance, and we're going to do the, the right things. Because listen, it's not enough to do the right thing. You've got to do the right thing for the right reasons. And only grace can touch the motivation of your heart and cause you to genuinely love somebody that don't love you. It cause you to genuinely help somebody who's your enemy. Only God can do that. How many know that's supernatural stuff? But it's what we're called to do. Can you do it in your own strength? No! <laughs> we must stay connected to the vine because it's going to be his strength that's going to do it. But I don't, I don't want to take the standard and drop it low. How many of Jesus brought the standard high concerning the heart? Right? And so, um, offense, man. Guard against it. And I'm trying not to preach that. But check it out. You don't have a right to be offended. You lost that right because you're a forgiven person. I mean, you know, that's price of admission into the club. I mean, you know, everybody in here has been forgiven of much. Who took your sin? Jesus. Who took the people that sinned against you? Jesus. Do you have a right to hold aught against anybody? No. You have lost the right to be your own vindicator. Now, you can choose to hold aught and be offended, but you're going to stop the, you're going to frustrate the flow of grace in the kingdom in your life. And there are things that you're not going to enjoy as a result of that because you're in disobedience concerning the cross. Amen. Not the fun stuff, right? Yeah, it is. It is right there in the AC on. Somebody throw Jeremiah some chocolate. Shut him down. I'm, I'm kidding about the AC. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm not serious. She was like, that's it. I'm doing it. Don't make me get offended at you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. But... We for, can, can I get an amen? How many know we've been forgiven of much and we want to forgive of much? And, and I talked about this last week, but that, that one of the only reasons that I'm still standing, because I've been in full-time ministry for almost 20 years, is 
freedom from offense. Because offense will take you out faster than anything else will because it gives you a heart attack. And it causes you to not honor the cross. Right? Everybody tracking me? I feel like we can talk about that all day long again because of how dangerous it is. How many of you know we live in a world that's super offended? And, and how many of you know someone will try to give you their offense? How many of you know angry people can make you angry? People that are in the flesh can bring you over into the flesh. And how many of you know you've got to make a decision to look at Jesus and recognize, no, all those people that wronged me, their sin was put on the cross. And if you want to be offended, go watch the Passion of the Christ and look at the tab that Jesus had to pick up to provide their forgiveness and your forgiveness. Amen? And, and so in recognizing that will keep our hearts free from offense. Because here's the thing, you can't be offended and happy. If you're offended, you're going you're to live entitled, and you're going to feel like people owe you, and you're going to turn into a victim. And you're going to be looking for people to wrong you. And when they wrong you, it's just going to make you matter and matter and matter and matter and matter. And your default setting as a Christian is not anger. Your default setting as a Christian is peace. God wants you to live in peace. Can I get an amen? We can't be offended towards each other. We can't be offended towards other Christians. We can't be offended towards our government. We can't be offended towards anybody. You can't, it's, it's too expensive. The, uh, scripture calls it a trap. It's a baited trap, right? And uh, the enemy works overtime to try to do that. Now, let's Hebrews chapter 3, please. And so these are some things. Sin will, will bring a hardness of heart. Um, offense will bring a hardness of heart. And then I want to talk about a symptom of a hardened heart here just in a moment because before I step over into this next phase of what we're talking about, because here's the thing. When your heart is, is hardened, um, and one of the things is established how I many you know that when your heart's hardened, you can't perceive spiritual things? Your ability to perceive is off. We talked about, we didn't talk a ton about that, but when the disciples, um, when Jesus did the miracle of the fish and the loaves, and then he was out walking on the water in the sea, they had, they were not able to perceive what was going on because their hearts had been hardened since the fish and the loaves. And here's the thing. A miracle does not mean your heart's not going to get hard again. I mean, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt prove that. Signs and wonders and miracles are not what's going to protect your heart. You know what's going to protect your heart, honestly, is the Word of God and relationship with God. And then you guarding the influences of your heart. I mean, it's important what you see and what you hear. If you spend your days listening to angry people, don't be surprised when you're angry. You know? You know, how many know you got to be careful what you're allowing to come in your eye gates and your ear gates? Now listen, it doesn't affect your salvation because you're the righteousness of God. But once again, I mean, we don't guard our righteousness. Our righteousness guards us. And, but we do guard our hearts. And we have to be careful what's influencing us if we want a sensitive relationship with the Lord. I mean, I live in a day, I want to hear what God's got to say. I mean, you, know, you live in a time where you need to know what God's telling you to do. Amen. I don't want to miss what God's speaking to me to do. If God says, don't get on that plane, don't get on that plane. I mean, we live in a, day, we live in a totally different place right now. Now, here's the thing. Awesome things are going to happen. You know, Brian was prophesying about it. Awesome things are going to happen. They that know their God will be strong and do exploits. 
but all the good stuff that's going to happen is going to be a result of your personal relationship with God and you doing what He tells you to do. <laughs> and you doing what He tells you to do. And you doing what He tells you to do. How I many of this is relationship? You know, when what if the servants at the marriage supper, uh, when they said, the, the, Jesus' mom came and told the servants, hey, whatever He tells you to do, do it. What if they were like, Nah. Would the water have turned into wine? No. Not for them. Or no, we're going to do this over here. We're going to do this over here. No, no, no. I mean, oh, the secret is relationship. Can I get amen? That's everything. You know, we live in a day and age where we want to mentally approach our Christianity. We want to look at, you know, what's happened and the charts. And, and you know, how many old, there are a lot of churches, they run, they run like businesses. We scan the area and we see what's on the charts and all that. Folks, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is whatever he saith unto you, do it. The kingdom is grown out of a place of relationship, out of a place of organic. How I many know the, the current church that's currently in the earth, and I'm not trying to get all critical, but how I many know we're not getting the job done presently? We're not reaching that generation. How I many know things have to change? We have to do things differently. What are we going to do? Just got to hear God. That's it. I mean, I believe, you know, I'm probably going to talk about this next week. We're on the verge of a, of a bit, and I talked about it the first year. There's a lot of transition that's happening. There's a lot of change that's happening. I believe God is going to do things in a different way. God's going to move in a different way. And in order for you to follow where the ark is going, you've got to have a relationship with God. I mean, oh, God will tell you how to raise your kids. I mean, oh, God will tell you how to be a better spouse. I mean, oh, God will tell, tell you. But all of these things come out of relationship. The reason that we've been made the righteousness of God, the reason that we're no longer under the law but we're under grace is for the purpose of relationship. And so we can't allow a head knowledge of a concept of forgiveness to rob us of relationship. How I many you know that, that if we're not careful, then, then a concept of righteousness can get can, can lend itself to an expression of the flesh. Well, I'm right with God, so I don't, I don't got him. No, you don't got him. You don't got him. You're still right with God. But look, I'm married whether I spend time with my wife or not. But my life is good when I spend time with my wife. Our relationship is good. Y'all tracking me here? Same with my kids. I, I am their father whether I spend time with them or not. I have a natural father that has spent so, so little time with me, I don't even count him as my father. He was a sperm donor. I mean, honestly, man. You know, God love him. Hope, you know, bless him. I'm not mad at him. I'm not offended. I've forgiven him. But how I many you know, you're a father through time spent. You're a husband or a wife through time spent. How I many you know, you're a friend through time spent. Like, it's, it, it, is a, it is a relational dynamic, and the Lord wants to spend time with all of us. But when there's a hardness of heart, we can lose our desire for relationship with the Lord. And how I many know we can step into religion? We can step into going through the motions. I don't want that. And here's the thing. Here's a symptom of a hardness of a heart. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, and, you know, he's talking about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness. How I many you know, when your heart is hard, 
you don't obey God. Hallelujah. When your heart is hard, you don't. And see, what will happen a lot of times, and, and you know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be, I'm not preaching condemnation here. You're the righteousness of God because of Jesus. But that softness of heart has got to be protected. And see, what will happen is, like, God tell you to do something. You'll be like, nope, 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 nope. Hardness of heart, don't even hear it no more. God, I need your help. He's like, I tried to tell you back here to do this. And you know what he's going to bring you back to? Back here. Back to the last thing he said, man. And there's no condemnation in that. But, like, if I'm telling my kids, you know, trying to think of a good example, you know. I don't know. I'm telling my kids to, you know, try to do something, and they didn't do the first thing that I asked them to do, but then they're all the way over here, and they're wanting help with this, and I'm like, I told, oh, I got a great example. Praise God. Yeah, uh, yesterday, we were playing with our, I was playing with my kids out front, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm dealing, my daughter is a lot like me, hallelujah, and so she is very strong-willed and all that kind of stuff, man, and so she's out there. And so she, she wants to play um, in the RV, which is cool. And, but in order for her to be in the RV, she's got to take her shoes off. But then if she gets out of the RV, she's got to have her, her shoes back on so she, because I don't want her, her feet to get muddy. Stick with me here, right? And so she gets out of the RV and does exactly what I asked her not to do and then gets her feet muddy. And then now wants to go back in the RV. I'm like, no, that is over. <laughs> That it's finished, you know, and and so and so now we've got it. Not 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 that she's banned from the RV, but we now must change your socks. Oh, but I like these socks. I want these socks. I want these socks. I want no, those socks are done, right? And so here we go, ding ding, round one. Jeremiah Johnson in the right corner, you know, and it's like, and here here we go. And so how I many you know every child must learn how to process no. I mean, every adult must learn how to process no. If you never learn how to process no, it's going to be real tough for you to walk with God because sometimes it's no. Hallelujah. And so we fight, you know, and uh, she kicks my butt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she's mad. She's upset. She's crying. She, I mean, I'm not letting her do it, you know. Why? How I many of I let her do it at that point, I'm doing her a disservice because I'm setting her up for failure. If you always give your, I'm not trying to get on parenting here, but if you always give your child their way no matter what, when they get into the world, they're going to be really sad that the world does not bow down to them. Because the world will not bow down to them. And God won't either. Because he's God, right? And so anyway, so now she's wanting to do this and she's crying out, Daddy won't let me do this. No, it comes right back to the very first thing that I told you to do. Now, let's bring that back over into our lives. And so, now here's the cool thing about God. How I many of you know God will rescue you when you've been an idiot? Can I get an amen on that? Can we have church on that, right? And he'll rescue you over and over and over and over again because he loves you. But how I many you know the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing? See, it's better to live by wisdom than miracle to miracle. Because if you will live by wisdom, you'll hear God 
You'll be led by God. He'll lead you around all the pitfalls and all the challenges, and you'll come out smelling like a rose, looking like you're super smart, and you're not. You just have a relationship with God. It always comes back to wisdom. Now, the cool thing about God is when you mess up, he'll still rescue you. So no condemnation for messing up. Can't get an amen. I mean, we're all learning here. But at the end of the day, hardness of, a product of hardness of heart is, is no to the Lord. And, and God will always help you and always come back around to you. But here's the thing. Check this out. You don't live forever. What if you reroute to the point that you don't get where God wanted you to go? Not because he don't love you, but because your body dies. And I know that's a sobering, not fun thing to preach. But it's true. How I many of you know there were people that went into the promised land and people that didn't? How I many of you know there were people that died in the wilderness? A whole bunch of them, man. And, and, and why, though? Why? Because, because of a hardness of heart. Now, listen. Please understand. I'm not trying to get all legalistic here, and I'm not trying to bring you into a state of fear or self-consciousness or any of these things, okay? I'm not trying to do that for you. You live under the new covenant. You're the righteousness of God. Your sin has been forgiven. But the reason God did all this for you is so he could walk with you. And walking with him means doing what he's leading you to do. Can I get an amen on that? Because here's the thing. When I do what I want to do over what he's telling me to do, do you know who I trust in? Me. I don't trust that you are able to make me happy. So I'm going to do my own thing. How many of y'all, that's how Ishmael's are born? How many of y'all, that's how relationship with Hagar is developed? Like, I, I don't want Ishmael. I don't want Hagar. I want the promise. And when the promise comes, it's because I trust in him and not in myself. Because how many know when, when Isaac comes, Isaac's awesome. Isaac is laughter. Isaac is good times. It's a good thing. God is able to give you more pleasure in this life than the world can. God is able to give you a better life than this world can. Your Christianity is not this denial of self and denial of pleasure and denial of joy and misery and saltine crackers and blah. That's not, man. This life with God is an adventure and is a joy. How many of God has good things for you? How many of the promised land flow with milk and honey? Can I get an amen? And so it's, but when I make a decision to do things my way rather than God's way, I'm trusting in me rather than trusting in him. Everybody tracking me on this? Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, now let's turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at the last condition that would try and harden the heart, and this is something that we all have to guard against. And, and, and here, here's the quote. Cool, let me also make this statement, too. This is really important. Your heart can get soft in a moment of time. That's an important thing to talk about. Because it's not like, you know, you're like, man, my heart's hard. Everything sucks. This is no good. Blah, blah, blah. Dang. Jeremiah. Great day. I should go buffet myself at the buffet and feel better, right? No, no, no. How I many you know? And, and we're going to look at this in just a moment. Getting your heart soft towards the Lord is just turning to the Lord. Just turning to a place of relationship. Just, just, just turn. And, and, and really, one of the key elements of this is humbling yourself. 
saying, Lord, you're the boss. I trust you. Y'all tracking me here? And walking with the Lord is a series of humbling yourself. I mean, over and over and over again. Because when you humble yourself, you have access to grace. And when you have access to grace, it will be a divine influence on your heart. It will bring change into your life. But when you, when you are pridefully trying to do your own thing, you frustrate grace, you frustrate transformation, and you frustrate relationships. And then you're out there like, God, what's going on? Why isn't this happening? What's going on? And then you can start to blame God for you not listening to God. Blame God for your results when God's the one who told you to do things differently the whole time. You ever been there before? I have. I definitely have been there before. But he's never going to... See, he loves you too much to do something in your life beyond relationship. He loves you too much for that. He, 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 he wants you more than anything else. He, he just, and that's why he died, is so that you can have a relationship with him, right? So we don't want to allow a message of grace or a message of the gospel to remove us from relationship to the Lord. Y'all tracking me here? Because it can happen. It can happen if we're not careful, you know? And so this last thing here uh, in reference to the parable of sowers, we're going to pick it up in verse 18. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now we're talking about the ground. We're talking about the heart. So here are three things that have the ability to harden your heart. We'll talk about uh, the easy ones first. Or the deceitfulness of riches. I think that one's pretty easy. How I many of you know money's not your God? And you got to keep money not being your God. Me and Grant were just talking about this the other night. You, 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 money is not a good God. If money's your God, then money will be a taskmaster over your life. How many know that we want God to, how many know we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us? I'm not encouraging you to know, work, do the stuff that you do, have your career, have your business, all these things. But how many know those things should not be the most important thing in your life? How many know the Lord should? Can I get an amen? I feel like that's an easy one, the deceitfulness of riches. Because here's the thing about money. How many know money don't make people happy? When people are greedy, they are never satisfied, and they always live in a state of needing more. Y'all tracking me here? So deceitfulness of riches, I think that one's pretty simple, right? Now, um... And then I'll address this one next, the desire for other things. Now, and it says it chokes the word. And that word choke is the word sumbanigo, and it means choke because join with to crowd uh, to, as weeds do plants. You know, we have a garden out here, and how many know that when, if, if we don't weed our garden, we don't have fruit. If you don't protect your heart, your fruit's going to be sorely lacking. Okay? And so, and one of the things is desire for other things. Now, what does that mean? That means you've got to be careful not to have anything in your life more important to you than God is. I mean, and even good things. Like as much as I love my kids, my kids can't be more important to me than God is. i got to be careful with that. That's a challenge for me because I love my kids. But I've got to choose the Lord's will over anything else. Here's the thing. If I choose God over my kids, how many of you know my kids are taken care of better than if I try to do it on my own? Because God does a better job, Right? How many of you know that my relationship with God is more important than my relationship with my wife? How many of you know my relationship with God is more important than this church? 
more important than my ministry gift, right? And then all these other things. How many of there are other things that would try to choke? Yeah, how many of entertainment, movies, sports, food, like you name it, cars, houses, land. I mean, just like what people think about me. All these things. How many of there's a million things that you could try to set your heart on to become more important to God? And when something in your life becomes more important to God, do you know what it turns into? It's an idol. And how many of you know an idol will greatly impact your heart? You gotta chop the idols down, man. Now listen, you don't have to do this in order to be right with God. Jesus is the one who makes you right with God. You don't have to do this in order to get to heaven. Thank God, right? How many of you know there's not one ounce of human effort required for you to be right with God or go to heaven? You just receive a gift. But in order to have a vital heart-to-heart relationship with God, it will be a constant keeping your priorities on Him. How many of you know the Bible says narrow is the path of life? The path of life is relationship with the Lord. And so we have to guard against other things. You know, in my personality, like I have like two gears. Like I'm all in or I'm all out. That's just how I am, man. And I mean, that's the way I'm designed. And it's cool when it's working good and it stinks when it's not, right? So I have to be careful what I'm involved in. Anything that I'm involved in. Something as simple as playing chess. I love to play chess. But then I could play, I could play too much chess. Hallelujah. You know, that may seem real innocent. Or, I mean, there's like... Anything, I have to be careful because whatever I put in my heart produces a hundredfold, man. Just boom. And so I got to make sure I put good things into my heart. Now, I feel like there are other people who are more balanced. And maybe that goes into 30 and 60 and 100 fold. I don't know. I can't prove this with scripture. But like my wife is very temperate. Like whatever she puts in her, she's going to produce like kind of like middle ground. So she, her life, she just navigates life easier, I think, than I do. Whereas, you know, me, I don't know if you want to call it an addictive personality or whatever kind of label you're going to put on it, I have to watch me and what I'm involved in. Now, the cool thing is, is when I am, when Jesus is my focus, I'm full throttle into Jesus, and it's like fantastic. So, I say all of these things to say, you have to be, how many of you can set your heart on things other than the Lord? And how many of they can even be good things? But we have to be careful because it will choke out that relationship. You know, I've had times in my life where the thing I thought about the most was football. If I'm honest with you, I was excited about football. Now, doesn't mean you can't watch football. Doesn't mean you can't love your wife, love your kids. Doesn't mean you can't play chess. Doesn't mean you can't do these things. But how many of you know you just have to make sure that he's still number one? Not for him, but for you. Everybody tracking me on this? These are kind of some hard things to say, but like, man, I mean, I just, I want this, you know? And then the last thing, and I think this is probably in, in some ways the most important thing in the day and age that we live in, it says the cares of this life. Now, that word for care is the word mirimna, and it means care, worry, anxiety. And it primarily it means to divide, dividing and fracturing a person's being into different parts. So here's the thing. We live in a world, <laughs> like I'm, I'm hitting the cell phone today, boy, but we live in a world where, how many of your phone can be addictive? How many of short videos can be addictive? Like, man, you start scrolling through them videos. I know, man. And it's like, and how many know at the end of it, you don't feel better? You know, even though you've been entertained, even though you've laughed, even though all those types of things, like at the end of that time, you know that you have wasted time. 
And, and, and what it can do, Dan's laughing because you don't got a smartphone. Amen, Dan. <laughs> Dan's like, I try to tell y'all now. I, maybe you do, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm, praise God. Dan's kicking it old school, and he's happy about it, man. Yeah. You want to talk to Dan, you got to call him on the landline. Amen. That, that's not true. He, he, but, you're, but I appreciate the wisdom of that. Because, man, you know, we live in a day and age, dude, like where our attention span is like three seconds. And that's dangerous because what happens is if you don't have the ability to focus and, you, and, you, and, you're, and you're, you're, you're full of care and, you know, once smartphones became a thing and all this stuff happened, do you know that the level of depression in teens increased tremendously? More than ever had in history. Why? Because now kids, they don't, they don't have to live their own lives. They can watch somebody else live, live a life and then feel bad about themselves. How many of us adults, we can do the same thing? And then there you are looking at people who have the ability to present an image to you, not see their real life. And then what it can do is it can open up your heart to covetousness, open up your heart to jealousy and despondency and comparison. And then next thing you know, your heart is so full of the cares of this life that you're filled with anxiety and fear and lack of focus. And we're paralyzed by our phones or entertainment, or whatever. And so, you know how many levels of anxiety are higher than they've ever been? Levels of fear are higher than they've ever been? I think we've got to make a decision to unplug from some stuff that's hurting us. You know, it was easy for me to understand with drugs. I know drugs is bad for me. You know, I know I'm not going to, you know, snort cocaine and be happy. I mean, that's pretty easy to tell. But then, you know, you got this, the, these other things that aren't, don't, aren't evil in and of themselves, but are easy to abuse. You know, I don't, I don't I want to come to the end of my life and have stared at my phone more than my wife. I don't want to come to the end of my life and have stared at my phone more than my kids. You know, times I just throw that thing across the room, man, lightly, because it's $1,000. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ever be trying to study the Word or something like that, and you get your phone there, and you're good for a little bit, then your phone's like, oh, you better look at me real quick. Just a second. Just a second. Ooh. There it is. Video about Bigfoot. Oh, Tim liked that post. <laughs> Whatever, man. And you know, I mean, we're on Facebook right now. You know, there are people that are watching right now. <clears throat> so I'm not against it. But how many of you know that this is something that will choke out your relationship and you guard or guard against it? It doesn't mean don't use your phone. It doesn't mean don't be on social media. But it might mean you need to have some wisdom on how you're on social media. You know, there are some people that you might not be following, should be following. There's some people that you might not ought to be friends with. I have recently went through and purged a lot on my social media because it was distracting or it was causing me to covet or it was bringing me into not a good place. And I thought, you know what? I am going to guard my heart. And so I just started removing things that were a distraction to me. How many of you, it's, also, it's a great tool, but at the same time, how many of you, it can... I don't want to rob it of my relationship with the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, I mean, we're kind of getting into the nitty-gritty right now. But the cares of this life, God don't want you walking around worried. God don't want you walking around afraid. God don't want you walking around anxious. And a part of why I think some people are dealing with that is they've had their attention unable to just focus and just turn your heart to the Lord. 
I mean, how many know in order to meditate the Word of God, you've got to have some ability to not stare at your phone? Amen. And I'm not just, you know, rallying against all these types of things, but how many know that, like, and once again, you only live so long. <laughs> I keep bringing that up, but, like, like I don't want to live my life and have missed out on some destinations that God had for me because I wasted so much time watching cat videos. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. <laughs> Man, I actually, that's not a real temptation to me. One of the, th- the things that I struggle, I have sometimes have a hard time is just comedy. Like, I like to watch funny stuff, right? But then, how many know when you're watching comedy, you got to be careful because the spirit of this world will be slipping in all of its stuff, man. Oh, yeah, that's funny. That's a little off color. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Let's talk bad about marriage. Let's talk bad about this. Let's blah, 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 blah. The next day, you're laughing, but at the same time, your heart's being impacted towards what's morality and what's right and wrong. You know, and that's why the path is so narrow, folks, because, like, it's crowded, and you got to block out some of this stuff if we want to have this, this vibrant relationship with the Lord. And it's worth it, right? It's worth it. And when I'm talking about the narrow path, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about walking with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I love Enoch. Enoch walked with the Lord. What a powerful statement. Gosh, I love that. He walked with the Lord. He walked with the Lord so hard, God was like, I got to take this guy. I love being around him. I want that in my life, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want that. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm not that I want my own personal rapture because I don't want that, but, like, I want, have, y- have, y'all, have y'all tried everything else? Ain't nothing satisfy you like Jesus does. I know it's true. Because all things are created by him and all things are created for him. This world can't make you happy. Wake up. A bigger house ain't going to make you happy. A nicer car is not going to make you happy. Different spouse is not going to make you happy. Different kids is not going to make you happy. All these things, man, it's, it, it, it's a trap. Only Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Now, Matthew 13, please. And let's talk about the answer for a little bit. We've diagnosed the problem. Praise God. Let's talk about the answer. And the answer is simple. The answer is always Jesus. I mean always. This isn't about you. But this is about you turning your attention to the Lord. Um, and choosing Him. You know. I choose my wife. I choose to spend time with her. We're married already, but I choose to spend time with her. I choose to spend time with my kids. I choose to set my stupid phone down. I choose to focus on them. Can I get an Amen. I choose to, and that's the one thing you got. Here's the thing, man. There's a lot of things you don't have control over, but you choose what you focus on. You can focus on the good or you can focus on the bad. You can focus on the negative. You can focus on Jesus Christ, right? Nobody can rob you of the ability of what you choose to focus on. I mean, we live in a day and age where our entire existence is washed in media and information. But you, you still choose. Amen. But sometimes you've got to wean yourself away from the addiction of all of that cares of this life. Right? Matthew 13 and verse 15, it says, Jesus speaking here. He says, The hearts of this people have grown dull. 
Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. The healing happens in the turning. The turning to the Lord. How I many ask what repentance is? Metanoia, change on. I'm turning to the Lord, right? Simple. Everybody say simple. I mean, we've diagnosed the problem well, but the answer is very simple. And now in the turning, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. There's an element, when you turn, there's an element of humility. You humble yourself. See, you don't have to be stronger than your enemies. You don't have to be stronger than your challenges. You don't have to be stronger than your battles. You don't have to be bigger than your giants. Your God is. Your God is your strength. Your God is your ability. But you do have to humble yourself in a place of, I can't do this. But Lord, I know you can. Because when you humble yourself, that's when you are at, you are opening your heart to the Lord's direction, the Lord's leading, the Lord's voice, the Lord's wisdom, the Lord's grace. Amen. How I many you know a hard heart has an element of pride? That's kind of the root issue here. A hard heart is like, I got this, I can do this, I, I. How I many you know when, when Ishmael was conceived, there was an element of pride in Abraham and in Sarah that, you know, hey, we got an idea. Mm -mm. So there's a hum when you turn to the Lord, there's a place of humility. It talks about it. Hebrew, uh, 1 Peter 5 5. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When you humble yourself, when you turn to the Lord, then your heart opens to grace. How I many you know Paul was in pride on the road to Damascus when his name was Saul? I mean, he was in pride. He was serving God with all of his heart. We're going to kill these Christians. We're going to haul them off to prison. We're going to rah. And then all of a sudden, he met someone who was stronger than him. And then he turned to the Lord, and he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, who you've been persecuting. And then I mean, his heart filled with grace. And he began to serve the Lord. And God's strength was made perfect in his weakness. How I many you know we all, even though we're not running around persecuting Christians, but how I many know we can all have road to Damascus experiences when we're doing things in our own strength and our hearts are hardened towards the voice of God? Well, God, I know how to do a marriage. Is it Bible? No, but I know what we do. Okay, well, enjoy your results. God, I know how to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to, I got to, oh, I know the scripture says this, but I... Hey, man, I mean, you know, it's either his way or your way. I know these things are strong. But, like, I just don't want my way. You know, and when you, when you read the scriptures, and, you know, and, and we know that we're the righteousness of God. We know that we're a child of God. And you know what? When you start getting salt into your identity, you now get to a place where you can actually be corrected effectively. As long as you're weak in your identity, you can't be effective because you get condemned. And you're like a child that never grows up. And you don't want to hear anything that corrects you. All you want to hear is how awesome you are. Hallelujah. And you can awesomely go straight to the ditch and sit there. 
But when you know that you're the righteousness of God, and that God loves you no matter what, and that your sin is forgiven, now you can stand as a son. You can stand as a daughter. And you can receive correction that's going to bring life to you. As long as you're fragile in your identity, you can't handle correction. You ever get around somebody who can't handle correction? They're insecure. I mean, a wise man loves correction. If I am going the wrong way, tell me how to go the right way. And so the whole purpose of the gospel is to build you up so you can be a son. See, if you don't listen to God, you're not operating as a son. You're not a weos. That's what it says in the Greek. It says that they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the weos of God, the mature of God. See, you, and, and, praise God, you can't take a scriptural concept and exalt it in an intellectual capacity and miss out on the actual leading of the Holy Spirit. You know what maturity is? You learning how to hear God for you and me learning how to hear God for me and all of us hearing God together and us walking with the Lord as the body of Christ. Can you get an amen? And, and so when you get solid in your identity, you can stand as a son or daughter and you can handle some correction because how many know when God brings correction into your life, it's not for his benefit, it's for yours. When God brings correction into your life, it's not for his benefit, it's for yours. When God, see, I struggled with correction because I did not have a father. I lived my life as a pastor. And so I didn't know how to be father. And so couldn't nobody tell me what to do. And you know where it put me? Jail. <laughs> I went to jail because if, can't, if nobody can tell you what to do, then you're going to jail. And they will lock you up so that you have to do what you're told to do. And even after I got saved, I struggled with being, a fa being fathered because my spiritual father wasn't good. My natural, I had no dads, man. That's why I'm so passionate about being a father. And, but now, I finally got to the place, you know, over the course of these years, where I will let God father me. And allowing him to father me means sometimes there's some hard sayings that the Lord will say, and I listen to him because I trust him. And that's what it actually comes back to. When you and this is where the, the, the heart stops being hard. Is in a, and when you really understand that God loves you, and He's for you, and then that you begin to humble yourself to Him and trust Him, and then you can walk in relationship with Him. And here's the thing about God: He'll wait until you're ready. That's I mean that's why Jacob wrestled with God. How many of Jacob took matters into his own hands? on the regular. I'm going to get the birthright. I'm a supplanter. I'm going to steal. I'm going to take. I mean, you know, God will wrestle with you until your motives are purified. How I many you know when, ja when, when Jacob stopped wrestling with God, he walked with a limp, but he was Israel now because it wasn't about his strength. It was actually about his weakness and God's strength. And then he became a powerful man who birthed the, the 12 tribes of Israel from his loins, but he did not arrive to that place until the bad motives were wrestled out of him. It is. I mean, it is pretty cool, right? It's awesome. And, and how many of you, that's what, uh, how many of you, a good father is, it cares about your future. See, that's what challenges in my childhood. I had tons of freedom in my childhood. 
I was the guy, I mean, my, my mom, would, and when I was in high school, my mom would leave. You know, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. It's just my life. But, like, they'd leave. my mom would leave for the weekend and party, party at my house every weekend. When I was a junior in high school, senior in high school, every, my mom would, would leave to go uh, stay with, with uh, uh, my stepdad in another place, and we'd just party. And, you know, and for a while, it seemed like the greatest thing in the world. But then eventually, it just didn't feel so good anymore. Because, like, I had all this freedom, but I had, and, you know, she was struggling with her own issues. She had a really tough childhood. She struggled with alcoholism. Praise God, she's free from all that now. She's saved. She's completely set free. we got a great relationship. But at that time, I didn't have a lot of parenting going on in my life. You follow me? And a good father, a good, doesn't just care about making you comfortable right now. A good father cares about your destiny. And, it, and, 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 and a good father will correct you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It is love. It is love. In Proverbs 3, 5, same thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I mean, you know that you can't be wise in your own eyes and also expect the direction of the Lord. Right? And, and I'm, I mean, I'm, we've gone as far as we can go today. But I'll, 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 say this, I'll say this next thing. I believe God's doing something new in the earth. Okay? I believe I'm going to talk more about it next, next Sunday. Um, and I believe that... And this is just a little snapshot of where we're going. How I mean, you know everything in the earth is failing right now? Like everything. Governments are failing. Finance, dollar, the dollar's failing. Churches are failing. Everything's failing, right? And which is not a bad thing, <laughs> right? How I mean, you know you can't, you can't step into the new in the old wineskin. And, 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 and what the challenge is, is when things aren't working the way they used to work, there's a place of frustration. You know, and what people have a tendency to do, they always want to go to what happened in the past. They want to go to where the revival happened in the past. They want to go where that happened in the past. So-and-so blew the shofar, you know, shook the dust three times, and then the Spirit of God fell. Listen, folks, God ain't going to do things in some type of pattern. You know why? Because listen to me, this is important. Patterns don't require relationship. God said, I want you to hear my voice. And I want you to do what I tell you to do. And then you're going to get amazing results. Because your amazing results are going to come out of relationship, not somebody else's pattern. Not logic, not deduction, not me figuring it out. I mean, even when Jesus walked, I mean, Jesus didn't heal the same way every time. I mean, sometimes, you know, he'd spit in the, spit in the dirt and rub it in somebody's eyes. Sometimes he'd lay hands on people. Sometimes you speak a word. There's a million different ways. Why? Because Jesus was not tied to a pattern. Jesus had a relationship with his father, and his father told him what to do, and that's what he did, and that's why he saw what he saw. God is not going to sit, and, and I know there's all these patterns and business models and all these types of things, but I'm telling you, in the chaotic world that we're living in, there's only one thing that's going to work, and it's relationship. And, and, and in a place of relationship, tremendous opportunity. Take a look at um, Isaac. I mean, you know, when, when famine hit, 
Abraham went to Egypt. God was okay with it, right? He came out of Egypt, made mistakes, came out wealthy. But Isaac, God spoke to him and said, I don't want you to follow the pattern of your father. I want you to sow in this land during famine and reap a hundredfold. So, and how many know, because God told Isaac to do that, it worked. And here's the thing. If you're in a, in a land where you're the only person reaping, you're going to prosper like no one's ever seen prosperity before. Because, in fact, he prospered so much that the king said, you got to leave, you're making us look bad. For real, the kings were like, look, you're mighty, you're awesome, move on, bro, because you're making us look bad. Kings are saying this, right? And but 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 how I many you know it was about relationship? He didn't follow a pattern. He didn't do what was the good idea. He didn't do what was the smart idea. He just did what God told him to do. And everybody in this room, you have the ability to do what God tells you to do. Can I get an amen? From a scriptural standpoint, first, but then secondarily, what the Lord is leading you to do. And I believe that we're entering into a time where God's shaking things up and things are going to be different and, and the ark is moving and you've got to follow wherever the ark goes and out of a place of relationship, we've got to do what God tells us to do. And, and I believe we're on the verge of the third great awakening and we're going to see a tremendous outpouring, but it's not going to look like things normally look. Jeremiah, what's it going to look like? I have no idea. And I don't think anybody knows. Because if they did, then it wouldn't be God's idea anyway. So, and so, and, and I'm, not, I'm talking about this from, you know, maybe a ministry perspective, church perspective, but I'm also talking about your personal life. What's God telling you to do in your marriage, with your children, with your finances, with the health of your body? You, you tracking me here? Relationship. Relationship. So, your relationship with God is the most valuable thing you have. It's more valuable than anything else. And so, it's worth guarding, Right? And so, turning to a place of relationship will require honesty with yourself. Can I get an amen for being honest with yourself? That's a big deal, man. Because, how I many you know, we can, be, we, can, we can lie through ourselves. We can, man. Honesty with yourself, and that's where humility comes from. Turning to the Lord. And how I many you know the gospel is always going to bring you back to softness of heart because it's going to remind you who you are. Just talking about turning to the Lord. How I many of you can turn to the Lord in a place of, of heart, place in worship, in the scripture, staying teachable, all these types of things. This is not a formula, but this is a turning to the Lord. So we're, I just want to take a moment, just pray, and we'll be done. Lord, I just thank you for everybody here, everybody watching this online. We present ourselves to you sons and daughters of God, and we say to you, Lord God, we want softness of heart. We want to hear your voice. I thank you, Lord, we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we hear. We're not even moved by our past trajectory. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand, and we say to you, Lord, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. Just tell us what to do. Speak to our hearts. Lead us out of a place of relationship. And Lord, I thank you empower us and strengthen us to, to chase back the crows and the birds that would try to descend and try to rob us of intimacy with you. I thank you, Lord, you help us to turn away from things that would distract us. 
And I think in the midst of all of that, Lord, you'd help keep us out of legalism as well. We're not trying to establish our worth before you. We're not trying to establish our righteousness before you. We're not trying to do anything but wrap our arms around Jesus in a place of humility. And we also say, Lord, we do not have it figured out. We don't know how to do it. But we just say, we want to hear your voice. And so, Lord, I just thank you that your people hear your voice out of a place of relationship And just like you said in the book of Daniel, they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Let us be rooted and grounded in an unseen realm, the realm that dominates this realm, the realm that created this realm, your realm, your kingdom. We hear the voice of the king of the kingdom and we obey. We let the kingdom manifest in our lives. Let the kingdom manifest in our marriages. Let the kingdom manifest in our children. Let the kingdom manifest in our finances. Let the kingdom manifest. Let the kingdom manifest. Let's show the rulers of this age the wisdom of our God. And what we are connected to cannot be shaken. Will not be moved, Lord God. We'll have a solidity. We'll have a stability. We'll have a strength that's born of you. Lord, we thank you for it. We receive it. We receive it. We're excited about what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for letting us know. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.